This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hey, 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 how the devil are you? As I'm recording this, the sun is out and it all feels really very lovely indeed, but there is very much a nip in the air in the mornings, which means that for many of us, we're starting to think about engaging in that annual battle with other members of the household about the point at which we switch the heating on. Are you team early or team late? Do let me know, I'd love to hear. And if we're thinking about switching the heating on, then maybe we're also thinking about the dreaded bills that come with it. So what better time to look to change your tariff to see if you can not only save some precious pennies, but help to save our precious planet too. If you're a regular listener or you follow Sustainable-ish on social media, you should hopefully be aware that September has been rechristened Switchtember here at Sustainable-ish HQ, and the mission is on to get as many people as possible to switch to a renewable energy tariff. Now, from feedback I've had about the things that stop us from switching, I know that one of the most common things is the fear that, quite frankly, it will be a bit of a ball ache, especially if we're looking for a renewable tariff, which it feels like we'll have to do hours of research to find the tariffs and ensure that we're not being greenwashed i.e. being sold something that's marketed as green that really isn't. Which is where today's podcast comes in. For Switchtember, we've teamed up with Big Clean Switch, who are an energy comparison site whose goal it is to make it as easy to switch to clean energy suppliers you can trust as possible. They do all the research and checking so that you don't have to. You can visit Big Clean Switch online, get a quote and switch, knowing that your money is genuinely genuinely funding the renewable sector in the UK and that you should get great customer service from whoever you switch to because this is another criteria that Big Clean Switch stipulate for the companies on their site. In today's episode I'm chatting to John who is the founder of Big Clean Switch and hopefully answering all your questions about why you should switch and how to do it as easily and painlessly as possible. Now, if you're already persuaded, perhaps by last week's episode or by Switch Timber posts you've seen on social media, then while you listen, you can visit www.bigcleanswitch.org forward slash partners to get yourself a free quote and switch. Multitasking at its best. You choose um, sustainable-ish from the drop down, where did you hear from us box? or where did you hear about us books, that means that we can track how well we're doing with Switch Timber and Sustainable-ish gets a small commission when you switch at absolutely no extra cost to you. 
Right, just before we dive on in with the main part of the show, I'm going to repeat the top three reasons you should switch because they bear repeating again and again and again. You could slash your carbon footprint by up to a quarter if you switch to a tariff with 100% renewable electricity and carbon offset gas. That should be enough (laughs) without anything else. Number two, you could save money. Connie, who is part of our Sustainable-ish online community, she posted on our Facebook page that she switched and she saved over £300. And lastly, but by no means leastly, it is one of the highest impact actions that we can take as individuals and as households. And it takes less than 10 minutes. There aren't many easier environmental actions than that. Enjoy. Hello, John. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hello. Uh, Very nice to join you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, And you're joining us for the Switch Timber campaign that we're running here at uh, Sustainable-ish during September. And you're from Big Clean Switch. So can you start off by introducing yourself and Big Clean Switch? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm uh, John Fletcher, the founder of Big Clean Switch. Uh, I've been passionate about fighting climate change since I was a child. Uh, My mother started the local Friends of the Earth group, um, and I remember being terrified by a poster that she had on our kitchen wall um, showing what the effects of climate change were likely to be, uh, which at the time seemed uh, impossibly far away. And here we are with the UN warning us that we've only got 10 years left to solve the problem. So if anything, I suppose I'm uh, even more terrified, but even more committed to trying to do everything that I can personally and we can as a company to to contribute to fixing the problem. Wow. So I'm quite intrigued by that because I find my kids are eight and 10 and completely not engaged at all. And part of me is quite relieved about that because I don't want them to be terrified. Um, <laughs> and part of me is like, oh, damn, what am I doing wrong? But um, sounds like it sort of filtered down quite strongly to you from your mum. Yeah, definitely. I think it was always uh, a very positive thing at, at home. Uh, and I think that filters through if you feel mm. as though you're able to try and do something about it that always makes it a more easy subject to grapple with yeah. uh, necessarily all being doom and gloom. And I think that's probably true for how we talk about everything to do with sustainability more generally that um, historically there's been a tendency for people to view taking action on the environment as being about giving up things that they love. Uh, and I think more recently in kind of recent years, there's been a tendency for us to actually say, hold on a second, the future that we're talking about is a better one. Yeah, uh, We've got cleaner air, greener cities, uh, sort of be- better transportation systems. Uh, there's, there's actually not a lot to not to like. Uh, and I think uh, reframing it in that way is a really important part of solving it. Yeah, definitely. So for those who haven't come across Big Clean Switch before, can you do you have a tagline? Can you explain in a in a couple of sentences what it is that that you do? Yeah, our goal is very simple actually. It's just to make it super super easy for people to switch to uh clean energy suppliers that they can trust. Um yeah. in terms of sort of our starting point for that, I think uh we as founders at all had personal experiences of trying to switch to a renewable electricity supplier and unpicking the various green claims of different suppliers. Yeah. And it almost felt as though the, the more reading you did online, the further down the rabbit hole you yes. go. Uh, and we were acutely aware that people us included need things to be as simple as possible for us to make changes to our mm. life. 
I think um, one of the things that we find over and over again is that although we work in energy every day and obviously find it fascinating, uh, <laughs> most people, uh, it's a kind of, it's very boring and just yeah. something you need to kind of do in order to make sure that the lights stay on. Uh, and actually, it, it, although they want to do something to help the environment, everyone leaves busy lives and you have to make things as simple and clear as possible in order for people to be able to actually sort of take action on that. Yeah. Uh, and we shouldn't expect anything else. And so really Big Clean Switch has been created with that purpose in mind. We wanted to take all of the uh, background reading away by doing all the due diligence for people for them so that they can arrive at Big Clean Switch and know that we've already vetted every supplier on the site to make sure that their environmental credentials are up to scratch uh, and that the environmental benefits associated with switching are real. Mm-hmm. So that they could trust the supplier to look after them, uh, that they would get fair pricing, etc. Um, so it's really taking away all of the the reasons people might choose not to switch, yeah, uh, and making it as simple as possible. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Because when I've obviously been talking a lot during September about switching, and and one of the things that people say is, it's just like I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do the research to make sure that whoever I'm switching to is actually doing what they're saying they're doing is actually better than whoever I'm with at the moment and it just feels like quite a big obstacle whereas as you say I've, I've then sort of pointed people to big clean switch and they've come back and be like it was literally 10 minutes or less than 10 minutes and I think knowing that somebody else has done all that research and that reading so that you don't have to is just amazing. That's it yeah and it's it, it's really interesting we get that experience a lot is that you sort of have to nudge someone seven or eight times sometimes. Yes to actually get them onto the platform and to get a quote and then to switch. And then invariably they come back to you afterwards and say, A, I couldn't believe how easy it was. And B, uh, I couldn't believe how much money I saved. Yeah. I remember we ran a, a, a campaign with an, an, an NGO, a big environmental NGO, where we went into their offices uh, to help them for a day. And uh, one lady came, to, came up to us early on and went through the process and saved 550 pounds wow. <laughs> uh, and it was so incredible the way that the sort of word about that spread like a <laughs> uh, and I think it does take those kind of personal experiences for people to think hold on this is something that I can do yeah um, and and I think saying what you said about going into the office I think I I feel like if I could just get everybody and physically sit down with them at their laptop or whatever and say you know for 10 minutes and just say just do this it would be um it's so much easier but obviously logistically that's that's quite difficult but it is I think there's something about somebody just sort of almost taking your hand and saying right sit here with me I'll walk with you through it um and it takes any kind of concern or worry out of it doesn't it It, it's exactly that yeah I think we always sort of reflect that we we wish we had the time and the the people power to knock on every door because you know actually having that conversation with people is the easiest way and the clearest way of getting the message across but as you say it's uh, quite resource intensive yes definitely um so how does it actually work you've got a number of suppliers on your site who as you say you've vetted and done all the due diligence on and then talk us through what happens when people visit the site yeah so we're sort of unashamedly different to a standard price comparison site which will make a a sort of big deal of the fact that they've got lots and lots and lots of suppliers Mm -hmm. and that uh, you you can source the very cheapest mm-hmm. deal. Um, the suppliers on our site are incredibly competitive on price, but we will only list them once they've met a very strict set of criteria about 
not just their environmental credentials, but also uh, their customer service levels. Um, and increasingly, we're also look, sort of doing due diligence on their financial standing um, to make sure that they're sort of not, not about to yeah. disappear. Um, because we ourselves have had some experiences with kind of suppliers on our panel um, that have taught us valuable lessons along the way yeah. around that. Um, and uh, the goal there is just to do everything that we can to provide as much reassurance to people as possible that um, the suppliers that are listed on our panel won't just save them money, but will also do what they say when it comes to helping the planet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we provide additional level of reassurance. And again, this is very different to any other sort of energy switching site that you'll find because we've got such confidence in our suppliers. We actually make a promise to anyone who switches to us that if they have a problem with the new supplier that they can't resolve directly with them, uh, they just need to contact us and we'll take it up with the supplier on their behalf. So they get that sort of feeling of having switched to planet friendly power, but they also get peace of mind included. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So if we just go right back to basics for a minute, because I think sometimes we're a bit guilty of assuming everybody's on the same page as, as we are. What is renewable energy? Uh, g- good question. And uh, <laughs> it's not helpful that uh, sort of wherever you look, you'll find a different definition. Right. Yeah. Um, so w- w- we wanted to be very clear about what is and isn't included. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, renewable energy is energy that's sourced from sun, wind, water or organic uh, matter. So sun would be solar. Uh, wind is obviously wind power, wind yep. offshore and onshore wind farms. Um, water, there's actually much less of in the UK electricity mix, uh, and it tends to be uh, hydropower, mm-hmm. uh, both from small-scale community renewable projects on, on sort of local rivers and streams uh, and uh, some uh, old historic uh, hydropower in Scotland yep. uh, and elsewhere. Um, and then organic matter is... Um, so, for example, many people will now have food waste collections uh, mm-hmm. and that food goes to uh, digestion facilities where, as it breaks down, it releases uh, a biogas, which can be uh, burned to generate uh, electricity. Mm-hmm. And that, that's sometimes the one that people find the most difficult uh, to kind of relate to as a renewable yeah. uh, energy source uh, because it's burning a gas. And we all know that uh, right, yeah. fossil fuels. Um, the argument there and the reason why that is considered renewable is because uh crops when they're grown absorb co2 uh or yeah causing climate change causing gases from the atmosphere uh, and providing that the crops are replenished uh it means that effectively the sort of burning the gas that's generated in the breakdown is is a carbon neutral uh exercise okay and am i right in saying that the the biodigesters produce sort of uh, methane and then it's that methane that's burnt. So in is burning the methane to turn it into energy a better option, presumably than releasing it into the atmosphere where it contributes to greenhouse gases? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, methane's a, a very potent mm. greenhouse gas, so releasing it into the atmosphere would be the last. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Last thing you'd want to do. Uh, the, the other thing that does happen to biomethane is it can be mixed into um, the conventional gas grid. So yeah. there is um, what's known as biogas uh, mixed in. It needs to be uh, kind of amended slightly before it can be uh, used within the grid. But that that is also a good use of biogas okay yeah so we're doing quite well here in the uk in terms of renewable electricity aren't we but renewable 
um, gas. I don't even know if that is a is a thing, but that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? Yeah. So our focus with Big Clean Switch has been solely on electricity to yeah. date because the answers on gas are much more complicated. Yeah. So whilst on the face of it, um, biogas is a renewable product. The challenge is that the UK's gas needs are so great that mm-hmm. switching the whole of the gas supply to biogas wouldn't just mean we were using waste products, but we would need to grow very large quantities of yeah. virgin crops in order to then allow them to decompose and generate biogas, which we would then burn. And the problem associated with that is once you as a country or many countries start reallocating land from use sure. for food production or whatever it may be uh, to growing energy crops, you start to have knock-on impacts, which are very unpleasant. And we only need to look to Southeast Asia and the impact of palm mm-hmm. oil production uh, on virgin rainforest there to see uh, how that kind of thing can, can play yeah. out at a global scale and cause very catastrophic consequences. So um, we don't think that a wholesale move to biogas is the right answer for the gas grid. Um, I think biogas will play a part in the future of the UK's uh, energy mix, but it will be alongside other things. So a switch to using electricity. So um, we're currently renovating our kitchen and giving a lot of thought to whether or not we want to actually to use an induction hob rather than a gas that's yeah. the sort of things that we're going to have to be really conscious of in the future. Um, and also potentially mixing hydrogen in, into the grid, which can be generated from renewable electricity sources uh, and could be, in theory, incorporated into the gas grid uh, relatively easily. But um, all of these decisions are going to need a large amount of investment yes. uh, and kind of government leadership. And uh, I think we're a way off knowing where we're going to be. Um, yeah, yeah. And do any of your tariffs have fracked gas? Have what? So I'm afraid no. No, they don't. One of our questions that we ask uh, our sort of suppliers is whether or not um, they kind of purchase any fracked gas. Mm-hmm. Um, as fracked gas begins to make its way into the UK gas grid, it, it will effectively be unavoidable because uh, the suppliers won't necessarily know yeah. that they're, they're buying it. Um, but we certainly try and make sure that uh, every supplier sort of isn't <laughs> certainly explicitly supporting. Sure because it's obviously the antithesis of everything we're trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, again, this is a bit of a back to basics thing, but I think some of these things just just bear repeating. What are the benefits of switching to, renew- to renewable energy? Um, well, um, first and foremost, obviously, there's a huge carbon saving uh, for most forms of renewable electricity. Certainly the, the, the main ones that the suppliers listed on our panel use, which tend to be wind and solar, mm-hmm. um, that there's an almost sort of 100% reduction in your carbon emissions, uh, which is fantastic. Um, you, you also are supporting a growing British industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that makes we doesn't get talked about enough, but makes me really excited. I think the the, the UK is a, a unique place because uh, of our island status and the fact that we've got incredible resources in terms of particularly wind and the potential of uh, some of the uh, offshore, mm. uh, sorry, water-based uh, power sources, and uh, we could be and should be leading the world. Uh, I often sort of hark back to the the original industrial revolution and the the role that the UK played in yeah. uh, what was really a global transformation that has improved so many people's lives. Uh, and I think we need to sort of not be too downhearted about 
the <laughs> negative impact of the industrial revolution in terms of kind of where we're at now with climate change, uh, we should be aiming to have that same impact uh, in terms of leading the world in in solving that problem uh, and again creating that more positive future that we were talking about moments ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think supporting the, the British renewables industry is a really important reason for switching as well and something that we have take great pride in as Big Clean Switch. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, there's saving money. Uh, so most people have an expectation that renewable electricity tariffs are going to come at a huge premium, which certainly used to be the case. Mm -hmm. uh, but these days, particularly with a, a raft of new uh, ethical suppliers offering 100% renewable electricity, um, it's actually... Uh, it's comparable with some of the cheapest deals uh, on the market. Yeah, and, uh, I think that makes it very appealing for people and means that we can have a uh, an economic benefit for people as well as a, an environmental one. Uh, and then finally, perhaps unsurprisingly, um, the suppliers that offer renewable electricity tend to be the ones that offer best customer service. So you, the experience of being with one of those suppliers is manifestly different from the experience of being with one of the kind of old school uh, larger suppliers. Uh, and I think that's one of, one of the other bits of feedback we get regularly from Big Clean Switch users is, um, I just love my new supplier. I, you know, I, I didn't know that I could love an energy supplier. I thought it was going to be <laughs> the emails I get from them make me laugh and keep me informed. And, uh, and I think that's a really positive uh, outcome for us as well. So lots of great reasons for, for switching. Brilliant. And you've talked a little bit about the that you have these quite stringent criteria for companies to be listed on the site. Can you just run through what some of them might be? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, uh, the tariff has to offer 100% renewable electricity as a, mm -hmm. as a starting point. Um, none of the electricity can be sourced from nuclear. Uh, that's not necessarily because we're explicitly anti-nuclear. Um, there are strong arguments <laughs> either way. I think I'm kind of persuaded personally uh, about some of the safety-related concerns in relation to nuclear, but there are also some very powerful arguments that at least as a transition uh, fuel, um, it's a low-carbon source that can help us to move to a um, sort of lower-carbon future at speed. Mm. Uh, uh, but because it's such a... Con Tentious issue. We've taken the view that it's clearer for our users if we simply yeah. have a blanket ban on it. Um, all of the uh, renewable electricity has to be uh, sort of provable in terms of its sourcing, which in general means that they have to be able to demonstrate that there are government issued certificates called uh, Regos uh, that back the energy that they're providing to their customers uh, to prove that it's come from a renewable source. Um, and then we have certain rules about um, the specifics of the electricity. So we exclude uh, electricity that's been sourced from outside of the UK. Because oh, okay. We believe that our users will have a reasonable expectation that when they're switching to a renewable supplier, that renewable supplier is supporting mm. uh, UK renewables. Um, and we also exclude certain types of electricity. So most specifically, um, electricity sourced from large-scale biomass, where there is a, a lot of debate about whether or not the environmental uh, merits associated with burning biomass are as good as people say they are. And just uh, if sort of people are unclear about what biomass is, that's where you effectively use a organic material, so 
trees, for example, mm. to uh, power a uh, incinerator, which then powers heats up steam and powers turbines to generate mm. electricity. Um, and some of the larger coal-fired power stations in the UK um, have or will be converted to run on biomass. Um, and they're running at such scale that that biomass is very often imported from places like the US. Oh, okay. Uh, and there are big questions over the carbon associated with the transportation mm. of the fuel, um, the types of forestry that the fuel is being sourced from. Um, so we've taken the view that until that question is resolved positively, <laughs> pro yeah. biomass, um, it's better for us to exclude uh, electricity sourced from those sources. Okay. And you mentioned the, the Regos, because one of my questions was going to be, how do we know that these companies are doing what they say they're doing when it comes to sourcing renewable energy. I saw something, um, I think Good Energy might have put it out, about one of the big six had kind of literally just suddenly switched overnight and said one of their tariffs was 100% green and kind of trying to say, well, this isn't really physically possible. And so how, how do we avoid that greenwashing? Yeah, so this is one of the, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the sort of questions we get asked a lot. And... Uh, we're slightly at odds with kind of good energy's position on <laughs> on this. Uh, yeah. even though, um, sort of, we're sort of very sort of supportive of of, the, of them and everything they've achieved in terms of um, the development of renewables in the UK. Um, when a power plant, let's say a solar farm, generates uh, a megawatt or a unit of renewable electricity, mm-hmm. the government gives them a certificate to say you have generated a unit of renewable electricity. Right and uh, what has happened in the past was there were so few people saying, I want to buy renewable electricity, that that certificate had no meaning or value to the solar farm. So right. the solar farm would sell uh, the power that it was generating um, to anyone who bought it, and it would end up being traded on what are called the wholesale markets, which basically means that it goes into a big pool and... Uh, energy suppliers will buy from the pool without really knowing where the electricity is coming from. So it might have come from a coal-fired power, power, coal power station. It might have come from uh, a gas power station. It might have come from a solar farm. No one would know. And as people started saying, actually, I want r- renewable electricity, um, in order to demonstrate that that person was uh, using a unit of electricity that was had an equivalent unit of green electricity going into the grid suppliers would start to go to the solar farm saying actually can i buy that rego that you've been given um because i want to prove that you generated a unit of electricity and put it into the grid so that i can say to my customer look that solar farm's generated this unit of green electricity and it went into the grid so you can have confidence that when you take a unit of electricity out of the grid it's been matched by green power okay Uh, and that works because the the certificate can only be bought once. So providing that um, suppliers are buying a certificate off the solar farm and then retiring it to make sure it can't be used again, then as long as peop- more and more people start buying renewables, then more and more suppliers are going to have to go and find those certificates from the renewables generators. And as that happens, the value of those certificates should increase and that should provide a greater incentive for more people to build more renewables facilities. Okay. And so a couple of questions there. When so say I, I have a solar farm, yeah. I'm generating electricity. My assumption was that 
well, like I've got solar panels on the roof and it generates electricity and it goes into the grid, you know, like air quotes, the grid. And my assumption was that, say I have a solar farm, the grid would just pay me for the electricity, every unit of electricity that I produce and, and it goes into this sort of big pool of electricity that then goes out to people's homes. Is that the way it works or not? No, so the, uh, the, this is where it gets really complicated in the <laughs> infrastructure. Um, but uh, the grid itself is a is just a network, uh, and it doesn't buy uh, electricity in its own right. The electricity is traded by uh, uh, companies that do specifically that. They buy and sell electricity from sources, so they will buy electricity from a range of power stations, and they will sell them to uh, suppliers, who then sell them to us, uh, and that that's where the complexity comes in. Okay, so there's some companies like um, Good Energy and Ecotricity who have their own solar farms and their own wind farms. Yes. And so that effectively cuts out the middleman of that person who's who they're sort of selling it to, who then sells it to the suppliers. Is that right? Yeah, so the, the, um, I think don't think Good Energy has many of their own generation sites. Oh, okay. Left. I think they've sold most of them. But but, you, but I think your overarching point is is, is right. So the, the main distinction that Good Energy make um, is that um, rather than buying the uh, their electricity on the wholesale market, so from this big pool where no one knows, right. and then going and buying the renewable energy certificate from the solar farm. Uh, they will say they will form a direct contract with the solar farm. So they will say we're going to buy your electricity uh, and we'll okay. buy your certificate with it. Yeah. Um, now, uh, we as Big Clean Switch don't see uh, much distinction there. Um, it, it certainly means that they can be more specific in terms of kind of their contractual arrangements, but there are actually a lot of benefits of having the flexibility within the grid of all of the electricity going into this big pool and because it allows much better um, management of demand and supply. Yeah. Uh, and providing uh, people are using the regos properly and retiring them, which is another sort of question that we ask of the suppliers, um, which means that they can't be double counted. Um, actually, it shouldn't make a difference. And the main issue with regos uh, and the reason that people use the word greenwashing about yeah. them is is actually a catch-22 the problem with them has been that not enough people were asking for them and so they had almost no value right so, so people could buy them very cheaply and just say yes yeah and have our, cheap renewable tariffs and our argument is it, if you hold back use of regos on that basis you're actually continuing the problem <laughs> the, right the way to increase the value of regos is for more people to buy them okay uh, and as you increase demand for them, so their value will increase and they'll start acting as that market mechanic that they were always intended to. Okay. So, And it's interesting that in the last sort of six to 12 months, the price of Rigos has started to move upwards um, as uh, the greater interest in renewable electricity, both from companies and from homes, uh, is starting to take an effect. So um, on the one hand, sort of good energy are right to, I think, raise eyebrows about suppliers, particularly that are owned by large fossil fuel companies, mm. um, using Regos to uh, brand themselves green. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually have an issue with it, the Regos themselves. My issue with the case that good energy have been kind of... Uh, taking issue with is actually that the parent company continues to 
exploit fossil fuels yeah. in the world's most vulnerable sure. places. Uh, and I don't. I think that tension has to be resolved by that company before we can take their green credentials seriously. So, are there some um, new, almost subsidiary companies that the big six have, have set up to to as you know, sort of standalone green energy under their umbrellas? Yes, there are. And, and that's increasingly a focus. So we're in the process of um, reviewing the what we call an audit uh, of the suppliers on our panel to make sure that it covers uh, a number of issues ad- adequately. So I mentioned financial resilience. Uh, we're also doing a lot of work looking at biogas and whether there are some provisions we can include around yeah. that. Um, uh, and uh, this is an, another area where, where we're sort of trying to unpick is um, how how do we tackle the ownership of companies? Yeah. So, so there's another, um, I mean, the, the one that we've obviously been referring to was um, First Utility, which uh, was bought by Shell and has been rebranded as, as, as Shell. Right. I think for us, that's a sort of emotionally a really clear case because uh, of Shell's history and continued activity in certain um, yeah. areas of fossil fuels. Um it, it can be less clear cut than that. Um, we, we know of another renewable supplier that is part owned yeah. by a big fossil fuel company. Um, and then we know of another supplier that is um, fully owned, but, but independently run. Right. <laughs> uh, and the questions there are, if those suppliers are genuinely sourcing from renewables and having the positive impact in terms of uh, the support for the renewable energy industry and growing demand and increasing the capacity mm. videos, et cetera, um, then where do we draw the line between the environmental bad and the environmental good? Uh, and yeah. uh, I think that's one that we're continuing to un- unpick. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time our view is um, we need to play it safe and uh, avoid companies that have significant uh, finan- financial interest mm. on uh, fossil fuel exploiting companies um but uh yeah i'd be i'd be interested in in, in people's thoughts on that if they if they kind it's of really to... difficult isn't it because as fossil fuels you know regardless of whether or not they're phased out as quickly as we need them to be they they are a finite resource so surely mm. these companies like shell and bp must be aware that at some point the the money well is going to run dry um so inevitably one would imagine they would they would be thinking about how they transition to renewables and how they maintain their market share but transition over to renewable things so you kind of think well do we have to support them in that transition and and um sort of reward them or congratulate them for for making efforts or do we put our cynical hat on and say yeah you're just kind of doing this to make yourselves look like you're not the baddies no, it's it's very difficult, and and it veers quite quickly from sort of objectivity into sort of moral subject. Mm. That's not sort of too grand. What I mean by that is, um, you quite quickly get into an argument of should they have been doing this a long time ago? I think yeah. a lot of people's issues with these big fossil fuel exploiting companies is that there's now a huge amount of evidence that they have known full well of the impacts that fossil fuels were having. On the climate, yeah, um, and, and the negative consequences of that for hundreds of millions of people all over the world, and uh, in ter- you know, in terms of life and life and death scenarios, and yeah. we can look at some of the extreme weather events that we've had just in the last few months to see that playing out before our eyes. Um, how 
how much can we allow those companies off the hook for mm. not having taken action sooner? Yeah. Uh, it feels very much as though they've waited until the rest of the market created a situation in which they could make profits yes. yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Uh, the switch to renewables and then started to take action rather than uh, innovating, leading the charge, um, putting the significant investment that they got at their disposal into finding the solutions and making the market ready yeah. uh, and carrying the greater risk associated that, but balancing that with the risk of the planet. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, h- how much should we credit them and uh, give them the benefit of the doubt now that they are starting to move uh, in kind of saying, yes, we know that they need to make this transition. And I think that's a really difficult kind of moral question. I think if you boiled it down to sort of pure... Uh, objective considerations then that they're moving we need to move quickly if they're part of the movement then probably we need to kind of include them and accept that and sort of put our anger about the past in a bubble and uh, you know and trying to be adult about it yeah uh, at yeah. the same time, I do, you know, personally, and I know, I know a lot of other people feel the same, I f- find that a very difficult, um, diff- yeah. difficult to make. So at the moment, um, is there transparency for the companies that are on your site at the moment? I, did, I know you said it's something that you're sort of looking into. Is, is there transparency about who's owned by who or is that something that is, you're working on at the moment? Um. We, yeah, we, I mean, we know who they're all owned by. Um, okay. uh, the um, We don't talk about it a, a great deal. I mean, one of our overarching goals was uh, for simplicity. So we published mm. criteria um, on our About Us page. We published the criteria that we use to judge the suppliers. But when you look at the supplier listings, we don't um, kind of include a great deal of that information on the page because uh, as soon as you start yes. sort of talking about those nuances it, it stops simplifying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It starts making it complicated um in terms of the uh, suppliers i think the only uh kind of question mark would be over i supply which is owned by vattenfall which um is a state i think it's swedish state-owned uh energy company which previously used to have a great deal of um kind of fossil fuel assets i believe i think uh more recently it's been making a very uh concerted effort to move towards renewables and is in fact uh one of the owners and operators of one of the uh uk's largest offshore wind farms uh and that scale of investment uh made us feel pretty confident in okay yeah uh, and cool. bring them onto the panel uh, and in fact they're the only supplier on our panel i believe that are 100 percent uh, wind powered okay um and one final question about regos because i'm they're still confusing me but i think i just have to accept that they will probably <laughs> always confuse me um you talked about the price of them going up does that mean the price of renewables will because the price of renewables from what i've read is is dropping as as more and more is produced um and so does that mean because the Rego price is going up that renewable tariffs will go up? How does that work? Yeah, very difficult to say because of those. Uh, and those are just two of the factors that are in, in, involved. Um, so the the fact that you're buying, uh, that the suppliers are buying the electricity from uh, effectively a UK mix, this, this pool of mm-hmm. the wholesale market, um, means that the falling price of ren- renewable generation uh, is in some ways diluted in the prices that consumers pay. Um, uh, the increasing price of Rigos uh, is at the moment being absorbed by most of the suppliers. Um, 
that is unlikely to continue as the price of Rigos goes up, but right. uh, that will be happening at the same time as the amount of renewables in the UK electricity mix continues to increase. And so the dilution effect. Yeah, the sort reduced, of supply, and those supply are just demand the, might yeah, even help out. Yeah. So um, it, it, I, I don't think it's going to make an, an enormous impact, certainly in the next few years. Uh, on uh, on consumers because of the changing kind of pricing of the whole energy system. Yeah, uh, I think other there are other pressures on uh, bills that are going to have more of an impact. Um, so a, a huge amount of investment is required in the UK's energy and infrastructure in order to make it future ready. Yeah, uh, not just for uh, renewables, but also for things like um, smarter. Um, homes exporting, you know, lots of houses exporting electricity, yeah. coping with electric vehicles, which is obviously going to cause a r- increased demand for electricity, um, localized storage and generation. So um, the, the grid is going to have to change uh, a deal over the next sort of 10 years or so, and that's going to require investment. And unfortunately, I suspect that that's only going to get paid for eventually by um, increases in people's bills. I thought you could say by the big six. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I, I, yeah. I think at the moment it tends to so suppliers include uh, kind of the, the charges that they're levied by for kind of improvements to the grid uh, in in the pricing that we get as household. Mm. Yeah. So when we actually switch, we we come to your site, we get a quote, we find one that that fits our criteria, and we click switch. Nothing physically happens. The, you know, the road isn't dug up, and the the pipelines aren't changed and there's not a new um, electricity pylon erected and things. So is my understanding, which may be too simplistic, is that, um, as you say, there's this pool of electricity and it's all just a big mishmash of everything that's coming in and a mix of that goes out to everybody's homes. But if I'm um, paying £300 for my electricity bill, um, £300 worth of um, renewable energy has gone into that pool for my energy is that too simplistic no that's about spot on i would use uh, units rather than pounds okay uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah the, i mean our the, the single line that we use that people sort of tend to find resonates is that when you're on a green tariff your supplier is promising you that for every unit of electricity you take out of the grid an equivalent unit of renewable electricity has gone into the grid mm-hmm. and the underlying principle there is the more people who do that the more green electricity goes into the grid and the greener the grid gets. And that's the outcome that we're all aiming to achieve. And um, that overarching principle remains true no matter how into the nitty gritty of regos and and things you get. If you sort of cling on to that that sentiment that for every unit of electricity you use, an equivalent unit of green electricity has gone into the grid, you can't go far wrong. Okay. And this might not be something that you have the the figures on, but... At the moment, the amount of renewable energy going in, is that um, equaled by the number of people on renewable tariffs or is there an excess of renewable going in or is there, do we need more capacity or how does that look, that balance? There's still an excess. So there's still a really strong reason for us to drive um, up demand. Okay. The, it, it can, it, the exact numbers can be difficult because mm. there are companies that are, 
privately, corporates in particular that are privately purchasing um, Rigos directly from suppliers. So it can be difficult to have clarity over the overarching market. But when we first started Big Clean Switch, we did some sort of relatively back of beer mat calculations mm. about the supply of Rigos um, relative to then back in sort of 2015, 16, the uh, demand for them. And uh, the, the, we concluded that we were going to have to switch millions of households to renewables, mm. uh, millions and millions of households to renewables in order to start to soak up the excess uh, and get to a place where actually people's purchase of renewable electricity is acting as that market driver that we need it to. Um, yeah. it's, it's crucially important that we just switch as many people as quickly as we can. Yeah. And, and it really does feel like a no brainer, I think, in terms of, as you say, lots and lots of people are saving money and it really isn't as hard as you think it might be. And you get to slash your carbon footprint at the same time. It just feels, yeah, if we can just get that message out, it's, um, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it is one of those things, uh, that is much, uh, more daunting to think about in advance than it is. Yes. Yeah. And you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's if we could find a, a, a way of magically kind of allowing people to see how easy it is, yeah. in the, uh, I think you know it would be a lot easier because um, it, it is just one of these things that a lot of us have a mental block about. But if you actually just invest the time to yeah. get the quote and make the switch, and then you don't have to think about it again, and you yes. just sit back and have that contented feeling of knowing that um, the electricity you're using is helping the yeah. planet, yeah, definitely, and that you're saving money. <laughs> Yeah. Now, when I asked on social media what questions people might have for you, the most common one was about smart meters. And some people want them and some people don't want them. And some people have one and and aren't sure how it works when they switch. Have you got any information that might help people? Uh, I think ultimately this is a personal choice. Uh, My my personal view is that smart meters are um, a big move forward, Um, partly because they make uh, energy use more visible to people mm-hmm. and not yeah. really important for all of us. I think we've, as a society, got very used to energy being something that we have a right to, but yeah. we don't really think about or are conscious of using. Um, I have become an incredibly boring light turner offer. <laughs> um, but I think uh, having that visibility over what you're using and how much you're spending. And I've got a friend who's just had a smart meter installed and has been you know, doing what I think most of us do, going around the house and <laughs> turning the um, different appliances on and off and seeing what impact it makes. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that, that is an important part of making us all conscious of our energy use. Um, but it also uh, will facilitate a lot of the automation of the energy system, which is going to uh, allow us to operate our homes and the whole grid in a more efficient way. Mm. Um, and it will also, for us as uh, a organisation that's trying to help people uh, switch and make it as easy as possible, um, help by, for example, um, one of the big pitfalls when people go through our switch process and one of the things which at the moment we can't do anything about, we just have to provide guidance on is you get to a question which says, um, do you know what your kind of current energy use is? And that will always be on a bill from your current supplier. Yeah. They have to include an estimate of your annual energy usage. Um, but Sometimes people feel like that's a bit of a pain to go and have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's li- and it's very often buried on page <coughs> seven somewhere in small print because suppliers aren't generally keen on people leaving them. 
Um, and uh, we will be able, instead of doing all that, just to say to the, the household, are you okay for us to access your smart meter data oh, and okay. what your annual energy usage is? is. And then, the, you know, the household doesn't have to worry about it. Right, yeah. Think, um, things things like, it would always be with consent, so people mm-hmm. don't worry about kind of privacy issues, but yeah. things uh, like that uh, are one of the reasons why kind of the smart meter rollout is very positive. I think... The difficulty with the smart meter rollout uh, is that the way they've been de- deployed uh, hasn't been helpful at all. Uh, and the main problem with with smart meters is that the first generation of smart meters um, don't actually stay smart if you switch to a different supplier. <laughs> right. So if you've got used to not having to give meter readings, which people tend to experience as being one of the main advantages mm. of smart um, sort of from a day-to-day perspective it can feel a bit of a backward step uh, to have to switch supplier and then go back to giving manual meter readings right that is only a temporary problem uh, all of the first generation smart meters will uh, be upgraded so that all suppliers can read them and communicate with them oh, okay um, and uh, all suppliers should now be rolling out the second generation of smart meters where that isn't an issue. So if you've had a smart meter installed in the last six months or so, um, almost certainly you should be able to uh, switch supplier and uh, the smart meter will continue to work as, as as expected. Okay. So if currently we don't have a smart meter, like we don't have a smart meter, um, can we? Is, ev- is every company obliged to provide one if people want one? So could I get in touch with my supplier and say, send me a smart meter? Yeah, it's as simple as that, yeah. Okay, cool. And are they complicated to fit? Or is it just literally plug it in? Because I could only cope with that. No, so they'll send an engineer around. <laughs> it is literally a change of the the meter in, in your home. I mean, there are other benefits associated with them as well. Um, so uh, <laughs> one of the big bugbears I've got personally from speaking to a lot of our users who are on prepay meters is that the whole prepayment system is archaic in the UK. Right. Um, and the fact that you have to go to a local sh- shop yeah. with a key card um, pay over some cash and then take the key card back and plug it into your meter, uh, all of which costs money, which means that prepayment meters, which are generally used by those who can least afford yeah. pay more, end up costing much more. Um, that all should become a thing of the past because the uh, meters will be kind of, you can top, up, top it up potentially online and it's all controlled remotely by the supplier. So the supplier can turn the power on and off depending on whether there's uh, money on the meter oh, okay. uh, and that can all be done at a far lower cost so the cost of prepayment tariffs should start to fall as well um as as um, more and more smart meters are rolled out so there are other benefits but um the, the point being uh, that the physical meter has to be replaced so an engineer will come around it doesn't take that long okay um and then your smart meter will take uh, kind of between two and three days to to kick in and start uh sending uh data to the little handheld device that you get in your house yeah. uh, uh, and then you can kind of walk around and sort of geek out to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so if you already have a first generation meter and you switch, is there anything you can you can do about that? Or do you just have to put up with the inconvenience for a little bit? Um, it depends on your supplier. It's, if you wanted to, you could ask your supplier to um, upgrade your meter. Uh, I think I've got some issues with that from just a resource mm. perspective. I think, you know, uh, meters are, after all, just big lumps of kind of electrical equipment. And if we don't need to swap them out, we don't we, yeah. which really, I, I, you know, but that's easy for me to say because we've got a second generation <laughs> meter and we don't have the pain of, you know, having to go back to giving manual meter readings. Uh, I think, you know, my recommendation would be 
would be to call the supplier and find out what the estimated timeline is for the upgrade of their meter type um, because the first generation smart meters are all different makes and models and they're being upgraded by make and model so um, the supplier will be able to give them more information on when that upgrade is is expected to happen so the new supplier that they people have switched to yes and okay. in general um, we're expecting the upgrades to be a remote thing so it, okay i was going to say so so when you're talking about an upgrade it's not as you say a physical swap of one meter to another meter it's it's a something that's done by magic online Yes, uh, yeah, it's uh, an upgrade to what's called the the meters. Uh, I think it's called firmware. Oh, okay, uh, it's effectively like downloading a new operating system. Yeah, uh, and uh, that can all be done over kind of, um, kind of internet connections. Okay, cool. And a couple more questions that came up. So, what happens if you're in a rental property? Uh, if you pay the bills, mm-hmm. uh, you can switch. Uh, oh, okay. The, the law is very clear on this. Uh, some tenancy agreements actually illegally uh, restrict tenants' ability to to, to switch. Um, right. That that isn't defensible in law. So if you're paying the bills, the energy bills, um, you can choose which supplier you're on, and you should let your landlord know out of courtesy that you're switching. But um, oh, okay. they, they don't have any power to stop you. If they're paying the bills, it's harder, <laughs> um, and, and including in your rent, uh, you can of course ask them to switch and highlight yeah. the fact that they may be able to save money and all of the uh, even more powerful environmental reasons for doing so. Yeah. Okay. But, but the guy. How easy? Sorry. How easy is it for businesses to switch? Yeah, very easy. So we also operate a um, sort of service that advises businesses on how they can switch to renewables. Um, again, um, particularly for businesses that haven't switched their supplier for uh, a long period, um, because as with homes, it's yes, yeah. a thing that gets falls off the bottom of the to-do list. Um, we generally see businesses saving quite a bit of money by switching, um, yeah. but, we, but we can kind of help them provide guidance to businesses that are interested in that and, uh, and then provide them with a, a range of tools that can help them to talk about that to their customers. So one of the things that the businesses that we work with uh, like most is um, we give them a, a window sticker, different color for each year, just saying proud, proudly powered by 100% renewable electricity. Oh, brilliant. It works a bit like a... Um, a chip advisor sticker uh, yeah. and they sort of as they build up different colors over the years uh, that starts to look quite nice in their windows and something can like i that. get one for my house <laughs> i'm thinking about it for houses <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well, watch this space <laughs> yeah and the last question that came up from sort of people on social media was asking about the warm home discount and i don't think all suppliers are signed up to that is that correct yeah so um that's uh, something that suppliers are obliged to offer once they reach a certain number of customers, I think uh, okay. 250,000. Um, so the larger suppliers on our panel, um, uh, certainly Bulb and I believe Octopus do offer warm homes discount. Oh, okay. And if um, people are looking for a quote, is there a way they can sort of filter them out? Uh, yeah, so if you click on the more info button, once you get your quote, it'll tell you whether or not the supplier offers. Ah, okay, cool. And actually, um, we've set it up so that if you do click through uh, to switch to a supplier, um, we stick up a warning if they don't offer warm homes discount, just in case you've missed that. So uh, okay. you should get a flag if you're on warm homes discount. And then you can make a choice because in some cases, the savings that people are seeing are so great uh, that they kind of are happy to forfeit the Warm homes discount is a greater saving they'll get with from switching to the supplier, but it's important that they make an informed decision. Okay, fabulous. 
Have I missed out any frequently asked questions or have, I, have we covered most of it, do you think? No, I think that's been pretty, pretty <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, do, we do have a sort of FAQ section on the, on the website, but we're also always thrilled to hear from anyone who's using the site. Uh, and if there's a question that we don't know the answer to, we quite enjoy going and digging, digging it out. So I would encourage people to, to ask if they have any questions that they can't find the answer to. Brilliant. So where can we come and find you if we want to switch? So I might let you say that because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got a dedicated uh, kind of uh, page, haven't you? On, on is it, it's the partners page, isn't it? Yes. So that's um, bigcleanswitch.org, are you? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, forward slash partners. And then there's a little drop down box for people to put in where they heard about Big Clean Switch. So if everybody listening here could pick sustainable-ish from there, that would be awesome. And it means that we can track how many people are switching from the Switch Timber campaign. And it also means that Big Clean Switch are very kindly sharing their um, commission with us. So it doesn't cost you guys any extra, but it means that we get some funds to, to help us to grow. Is that is that right, John? <laughs> That, that's absolutely right, yeah, and that's another big important part of what we do because uh, we work with a lot of organisations like Sustainable-ish and uh, being able to sort of support them is, is is really important to us. And when we're working with bigger brands, very often they will um, use that money to support sort of good causes as well. So mm. uh, it's another positive impact of, of, of using the site. So, yeah, do make sure you select Sustainable-ish when you're, when you're switching. Oh, thank you. How, just as a, a final question, how optimistic are you feeling at the moment about... Renew- renewables in the energy sector and I guess more generally about the climate crisis? I, I'm optimistic about renewables. I think renewables is a is an area where we know the answers and we're a good way towards delivering them. Mm-hmm. I think aspects of the climate crisis are more worrying mm. As Big Clean Switch, we're focusing not just on helping people switch, but increasingly trying to develop uh, a solution that will help them to understand better the measures they can take to make their homes more energy efficient Mm. and actually reduce the amount of energy that they use and to generate their own electricity from renewables. Yeah. Um, Because just as when we started, we found that understanding how to switch to a renewable supplier was fiendishly complicated and uh, beset by worries about untrustworthy suppliers. Exactly the same is true for uh, understanding whether you should be focusing on installing double glazing or sure. installing your home. Um, so uh, I think there's a huge amount of work to be done in helping UK homes to make themselves warmer, more comfortable yeah. and uh, fight climate change. And uh, although we can provide tools to make that easier, I think that's going to need a really big push and investment from government. And I'm not seeing that at the moment. So yeah. that's, that's in, from a UK perspective, that's one of my biggest areas of uh, concern at the moment where I'd really like to see uh, some rapid action. Yeah. Yeah. And just to pick up on that point you said about energy saving as well, just because we've switched to a renewable supplier doesn't kind of give us carte blanche to just run around leaving all the lights on because it's coming from the sun or whatever. It's Energy saving is still a really, really important part of, 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 as you said, sort of tackling the climate crisis. So any changes that you can make, and as you said, with the smart meter, you can physically see how much different appliances are costing. So that's a really good incentive to, to switch everything off and turn everything off standby and things as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think um, just being very conscious of how we're using heat as well, mm. uh, which is a you know a particular a particular challenge. 
um, is, is, is really important. Um, you know, that classic of uh, accidentally leaving the heating on and, and opening the windows, uh, <laughs> which, you know, at some point most of us have done. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we really need, and that's where I think the smart technology can really come in and help us. Yeah. Uh, but we really do need to become much better at running our homes more or more efficiently not um kind of donning three jumpers and shivering in in the cold that's not what you know sustainability is all about it but we just it's just about living sensibly uh, and of course the less energy you use the less money you pay as well so yeah 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 definitely well, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you thank you so much and, and it's really heartening to know or to hear about companies that are are doing good things with the you know that sort of best of motivation behind it and things that are just making life so much these these things that are actually really big impact things for individual households to do switching um to renewable tariff is one of the highest impact things we can do isn't it as a household so anything that can make that easier is is absolutely amazing so thank you my pleasure. Yeah, no, it's, and, and on that impact point, yeah, the the stat we tend to use, which is based on carbon emissions figures that are a couple of years old now, so we probably need to double check that it's still current. But um, it, it, switching a typical house to renewable electricity is the equivalent of taking a car, a typical car, off the road for six months. Yeah, uh, that's repeated every year. So uh, it is a huge impact, and so simple and easy to do. So do please. Uh, everyone uh, make sure that that's the next thing you do yeah absolutely yeah before you even go and make a cup of tea or go to the loo go and uh, go onto big clean switch and switch fabulous thank you so much john it's been absolutely brilliant thank you my pleasure you've been listening to sustainable ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.